Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Stratocast. Since we last spoke, we've updates on the interim manager. It looks like Ralph Ragnick is coming in till the end of the season and then going upstairs on a two-year contract as a consultant to the, to the Glazers and to Richard Arnold and possibly Ed Woodward too. Joining me this morning is Brian Murphy, who was at the game in Villarreal during the week. And we'll get onto that as well. But, but Brian, firstly... The interim position is now being filled. We have an appointment in the next 48 hours, hopefully. But when this news first came out, when Manchester United announced that to replace Solskjaer, they had a plan of an interim boss till the end of the season and then a permanent successor in the summer. Now, the initial reaction to that was quite negative because interim isn't a popular buzzword um, amongst fans. But this Ragnick appointment, it certainly changed the mood a little bit. Would you agree with that? Uh, it has, yeah. I mean, the, the shell shock of of Ole getting getting released from his job. I suppose we all knew it was coming, but when it actually did happen, it was a bit of a surprise. All the same, I suppose it's a weird enough thing to say. You know, something's coming, but to be surprised by it is 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 strange. But there was a bit of a sense of loss amongst the fans that you know we've lost our legend and he's he's done what he's done for us. Now it's over. Where do we go next? And I suppose my own personal. Feeling was apprehension more than anything. I was apprehensive about what direction did the club go next. It's a, it's a massive turning point for the club now. This has to be done properly, or we'll be back to square one again within two years, three years. So, um, interim manager, I wasn't really interested in. I was hoping that we get someone in straight away, but knowing the position we were in, he was just after going overnight. Um, there wasn't a whole pile available. 
even looking at the bookies, the odds of who was possibly coming in was fairly grim reading. Um, we went we went through stages, I suppose. We went through stages where one second it was Zidane, then it was Rogers, then it was Pochettino. And I think most lads had kind of resigned themselves to the fact that, yeah, Pochettino is likely to come in with Carrick taking over as interim boss, but the interim boss being Carrick didn't really excite anybody because realistically, if you just let Ole go and you brought in his number two as interim boss, what's changed? You've the same coach and staff, you've the same, potentially same ethos and mindset. So Carrick to most people would be a kind of a, an Ole 2.0. Um, then the Rangnick thing broke out of nowhere. And excitement, I suppose, was, was the main... Um, Excitement and shock, in, in a way. Excitement that we've got this new guy coming in who no one really knows a whole pile about him, but he's got a massive reputation in football. And shock that United have done something right for a change yeah. where we've looked at, they're not just looking at the next six months, they've looked at the next six months with a two-year caveat where he comes in as a consultancy role, which now, to his credit, he demanded himself. Um, it's a bonus for all of us because it looks to put... Um, Man with a football brain in a position where we need football people, not business people. Someone with a, with a mindset of, I only care about what happens on the pitch. I'm only looking at what happens results-based, performance-based, tactical-based. We need that big time. Um, yeah, it was, it's, although it's not 100% confirmed yet, it looks like to be a very clever piece of business by United for a change. Yeah. It's the kind of character that I wish was at the club when Louis van Gaal was in charge. Um, someone of his ethos, someone of his football thinking. And I think that's why this two-year role afterwards will be big for the man that comes in in the summer, whether it's Ten Hag, whether it's Mauricio Pochettino, we don't know yet. There's a few names doing the rounds and I suspect towards now and the end of the season, whoever does well in Europe, the manager of that team, if, if, if there's a likelihood of him coming to Manchester United, his name will probably be put into the, into the ranks as well. Um, unless it's Jorgen Klopp or, or Pep Guardiola or Thomas Tuchel yeah. again. But but Brian, like ultimately the biggest problem with this club and what we've voiced their anger towards for years is that it these decisions are usually business made. We, ultimately with with like the business and making money being the the ultimate aim. That's how this club is run. But with someone like Ragnick coming in and Woodward potentially leaving his position at the end of the year maybe go on to a consultancy role. But with that happening, is this a sign that maybe Richard Arnold, who is likely to step in, has told the club that I don't want this hands-on approach with football matters because I'm out of my depth. He, maybe he's taken a step foot back and that he wants someone like Ragnick in. And maybe that's why now they've made that decision because we know in the last five years they've spoken to Ragnick about a director role, but they didn't go with it because he probably wanted too much power. But this feels different. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's speculation, but you could speculate that Richard Arnold has realised, hang on a second, my forte is business. Just like Ed Woodward, like, I mean, let's give Ed Woodward credit, which is a kind of a dirty thing to do, but Ed Woodward is an absolute genius in the commercial and business side of things, probably second to none. If he'd stayed out of the football side of things, we probably wouldn't know a whole pile about him. We'd probably appreciate the job he does. The fact that he got messed up and muddled up in the football side of things brought him into the limelight a bit and and exposed him for his lack of uh, his lack of knowledge and ability in that side. Um, I think it's great if Richard Arnold sticks to the business and he's somewhere similar to Woodward and his abilities, that can only be good for the club. If he's clever enough and, and man enough to say, 
the club needs someone with a football ethos to come in and do the football side of things. It can only be good for us. Um, yeah, I, it just looks, I don't know, it's strange. We're so used to having the wrong decisions made and decisions made for the wrong reasons. It looks like the it's club actually knows this too. Yeah, it looks like the club <laughs> is actually saying, hang on a second, let's get football men to focus on the football, businessmen to focus on the business. And let's get back to being something that resembles a football club for a change. But obviously, knowing that the Glazers are involved in all this, there's always that little sneaky feeling of what are they up to, what's coming next, where's the boat? Well, what's interesting for me too is I don't think Ragnick is someone that is going to let his reputation um, rust in a sense that in two years' time, if he doesn't feel that his demands are being met, um, he could easily just park up and that's terrible PR for the Glazers. So it, it's are, are they jumping into bed with the devil here from their perspective or are they actually going to change and, and please the fans? Because I said this in the summer after Ronaldo joined that silence weren't going to change um, the, the fans' attitude towards the owners. Never. Because a lot more comes with that. You need results and you need so on. But if the, if the clubs start acting like a club, it would make a big difference. That's, that, that, that's, what, that's the change we yeah. want, a football club. Um, but, but as well with Ragnick, what our listeners are going to be looking forward to is the type of football we can expect. Now, from looking and reading into stuff and doing my research this week, Everyone knows that he's the, the professor, the doctor of Greg's Pressing, which you see Jorgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel playing. So he's like a, a mentor for those guys. So we can definitely expect Manchester United to press. I think that's an interesting concept, Brian, because a lot of United fans don't quite understand what the press is because we haven't seen it before uh, you know, in, in the last 10 or so years. Yeah, yeah. Player, players haven't been, been taught it. You heard Bruno Fernandes say a few weeks ago, we don't press. And I think it's going to be really, really interesting. A lot of people are questioning whether they can do it, but I do think this team is fit. I think they will buy into, into this manager's philosophy and, and, and so on. And I don't think it's going to be like Van Gaal and, and being boring. He likes playing attractive football, so we will be entertained. And Brian, with that coming into play, we have unbelievable players People have said for, 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 for some time that with a better coach, they would perform better, we get better results. Do you think we'll see a lift between now and the end of the season? Because we, we, we did want a challenge for the title. That's probably out of the question now. I think people need to, to sit back and, and I know we all, we all want to see progress instantly. I mean, it's the modern world. Everyone wants instant success and instant results. But I think people need to realise too, if this, if this guy is coming in, He's changing things. He's bringing a whole different perspective on how it works. And to do that in a football club doesn't happen in six months. Mm. To do that efficiently and to do that properly, long-lasting, that actually starts in the academy. That starts with putting that ethos and mindset of his Gergen press or his this philosophy and text tactic. You start breeding that through the academy so it, comes, it just becomes a part of the fabric. The players in the, fa- in, the, in the academy coming through are trained and drilled in what the first team are doing. So you're not going to get an academy in six months that are going to be playing his pressing system. So a little bit of patience will be required. You're going to have the first team going from Ole's tactics or whatever you want to call the system that Ole was trying to play the counter-attacking system and then changing it and flip-siding it and going into a heavy, high press, hard, fast press from the forwards to the midfield, pressing in clusters, trying to force mistakes high up the field, which leads to its own issues, obviously, in defence if you get caught. But I don't think 
you can expect it to be instant. I don't think I can expect the rest of the season to be flourished with trophies, but can I see an upturn in performances? Certainly, yeah. Maybe not game one, game two, game three, game four, but as the season goes on, I think as his methods are installed in the team, you'll definitely see um you'll definitely see a better style of football and definitely a more attractive style of football, which we've all wanted. The only thing I do feel that I'm apprehensive about this Ragnick appointment is um like when the summer comes and he steps upstairs and we approach a manager to come in, they've got to come in under under the guise and under the under the guidance of this guy. So they've got to accept the fact they're taking the role of Manchester United manager. But they're taking that role to play a system that Ralph Rangnick wants us to play. Not that Mauricio Pochettino or or Zinedine Zidane wants to play or whatever other name is linked. So that could also be a stumbling block in negotiations with future managers where the manager is coming in and he's saying, right, well, this is what I want to do. And the club and Ralph are saying, well, this is how we work. This is what we do. Are you on board with that? So it might limit slightly. It might limit what managers take the job. It might suit more of a, a Tin Hag who's used to that development use and, and, and working in certain strict systems, he might be the man to come in afterwards. Or it could be a complete and utter curveball, which was mentioned to me during the week. Does Michael Carrick sit beside him for six months? Does Michael Carrick then take over in the summer under Ralph Rangnick and they work together as a pan? There's a lot of ifs, ands, buts and maybes of what could come in the future. I don't think it's as clear-cut as we just turn around and go, summertime, Maurizio Pochettino comes in, Ralph Rangnick now sits upstairs and just watches all the transfers. That's not how he's going to work. He's he's a bit of a nerd and a bit of a geek for detail. He wants to be involved in everything. So there's a lot. There's a lot to think about. There's a lot of exciting and uncertain times ahead regarding what's going to happen with the team and who's going to lead us. But I suppose uncertainty and excitement is what we always wanted, isn't it? Yeah. Now getting back to more serious chat, you were on your travels again during the week to Villarreal. A two-nil win. How did you get on? Um, yeah, yeah, it was a great trip. Um, it was a little bit better than the last one because at least I made my flight this time. So a bit less pressure and a bit less rushing around through the through a country I wasn't too familiar with. But it was great, yeah. We had it well planned before we left. Um, there was about 36, 38 of us that were going over together from Ireland. So we had a little WhatsApp group chat. Um, the boys organised a coach from Barcelona. We flew Dublin, Barcelona. Then from Barcelona, we had to get down to Villarreal, which is about two and a half hours away. The boys booked a coach. Um, so as you can imagine, 36 or 8 Irish lads on a 54-seater bus going from Barcelona to Villarreal. It was going to be a very subdued affair with lads reading books and catching a few hours sleep. I um, I had a bit of a heavy weekend the weekend before we left. And when we were about to leave, the night before we were about to leave, I had a little moment of clarity and realized, hang on, they're not going to be reading books and getting an hour of sleep. These boys are mental. My body and physical and mental health can't handle this. So I popped on the internet, hired myself a little car, and one of the lads jumped in with me. And I took a nice little romantic drive down the east coast of Spain in calm and peace. It was great. Lovely. That's not very like you, Brian. No, I think I'm becoming a bit more of an adult. I think Atlanta might shook me up a bit. Um, tell me about the, the police presence. Well, yeah, do you know, it was funny. Like the day, the morning and day we were there during the day while the sun was shining. Now it was absolutely bucket and rain when we landed and we're driving down. So that was a bit of a damper. Thinking, Jesus Christ Almighty, we're after going to Spain and it's absolutely lashing rain. But luckily enough, it cleared up. The sun came out. We were inside in Villarreal. Now Villarreal is a small, it's a small place. It's not exactly a big, massive metropolis city. It's, it's a handy little sized, large town, we call it for all the world. 
Um, we were a little bit spread out in comparison to Bergamo. In Bergamo, we were all together in kind of the one street, the one area. The noise was deafening all through the evening. Villarreal, it was more of a kind of a sleepy Spanish town where we had a, a cluster of fans in one area, a cluster of fans in another area, a little square. Um, I never really took much notice of the police at all until, until we decided to leave for the ground. In the square where we were having a few drinks and having a chat and having a, having a bit of sing song, there was no presence whatsoever. Everything was cool and easy and calm. We're heading down to the ground. As you got to the ground, there were these physically fit, strong, muscle-bound coppers with their chest out and tennis balls under their arms to give you the impression that these boys wanted to headbutt you the first time they saw you. So you were walking down a footpath and I was, I was chatting. I was walking down the side of the ground and I stepped off the footpath because there was a person coming towards me and next thing I got absolutely buckled back onto the footpath. And I looked and I was like, what the Jesus Christ was that? There was this big copper staring at me with venom and I was like, I'm just getting off the footpath. You move now and drove me on again. I was like, Jesus, oh, Jesus Christ, man. I literally have to walk and off a footpath. But that was the way it was from the second we got towards the ground. There was just this this moody atmosphere amongst the cops. They were staring you down. There was gangs of them there. They were all really like proper aggressive looking. Even when they were just stood there, you knew they were waiting to go. They were mad for it to kick off. They really were. They were just mad to lash into people. Um, we got into the ground. They checked our flags a couple of times. They checked them. They take them out again. They unwrap them, read them. Then they were confirming with their translator to make sure that uh, Red Army wasn't anything bad to having a flag or that late May 1999 wasn't offensive. Got past all that nonsense. Then we got in and we got herded up into the into the upper tier by very um, approachable policemen who were basically just shoving us. Got up into the stand and there was a gang of them. I mean, it was it was really weird. Like it's typical Spanish policing. There was just a line of them through the middle of the upper stand. I read something. They, I read something on. during the week that that Leicester fans and a lot of English fans experienced this across Spain and stuff. And it's I think the Spanish police someone someone wrote something that they put it down to the, they're dressed like English hooligans and they just brand them all the same. Um, yeah. it, it's crazy because this like United fans are brilliant, but if it it hits the wrong group, it's 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 potential for disaster. Because it's, it's, yeah. it's straight away up front, it's a bullying tactic. And they can't expect everyone to react well to that. No, like, and historically, United fans away in Europe, we've got a great reputation of, as being well-behaved, yeah. um, not really causing trouble in, in stands and stuff, you know? So it's, it's a bit overkill, but like even the Villarreal fans, the Europa League final, the United fans and the Villarreal fans drank together, had a great time together. There was no issue whatsoever. Before the game, we had a bunch of Villarreal fans come down and they were videoing us United fans chanting and singing and mm. they were having a bit of crack. Like Between the fans, between the Villarreal fans and the United fans, there was nothing but camaraderie, a bit of, bit of banter and a bit of over and back. And no issue whatsoever. Like There was absolutely no animosity between each other. The only animosity that happened was when you got to the ground and the cops were trying to fucking throw their weight around them and they are trying to, basically they are trying to force something to happen. And like They tucked into two older gentlemen who were standing in the in the steps area in between the in between the ceiling? They asked them to move, and look, obviously the boys didn't move for a second or whatever, but they absolutely just tore into them. I mean, these boys are these lads were in their fifties or sixties. Forgive me if they were younger, but I think they were fifties or sixties. I've seen videos of it. Like they absolutely drove them around the place and tore into them for absolutely zero. That's the kind of messing you're expecting with these Spanish cops. 
So yeah, they, they were very aggressive. They were very in your face. They were very much confrontation. But I suppose, look, as, sure, as every surely, right, an operation like that for for a big Champions League match, it would only make sense. You you mentioned beforehand when they were in the square and wherever you were drinking, there was camaraderie there between both groups of fans. Surely, an operation like that should be led by one of the members of that force being around the city to see how the fans are behaving. And if had they had seen that, they'd say, nothing to worry about tonight, lads. Nothing to worry yeah, about. 100%, 100%, you know, yeah. if, there, if there's war in the city, if there's trouble in the city, well, then they up their, up their, up their ante. But that doesn't make any sense. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's sending a bad message. And it's not just United fans that, that have complained about it. Leicester fans as well. Um, and a number of fans throughout England that have been travelling throughout Europe. Um, Brian, Michael Carrick, what did you make? What do you make of his first game in charge? Um, did you remember watching I do, yeah. Would you believe I actually only had two points the whole time? I told you I'm after talking to adults in Italy. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a new man. Mature. I'm retired. Matured, yeah. Um, I suppose I felt with Carrick, it was, it was as I said earlier, it was only a two-pointer. I mean, nothing's going to change in a matter of a few days. So hmm. he's not going to go in and change into a complete different system. It was similar performance. It was similar tactics. It was similar to watch. It was the first half was absolutely shit. Um, the second half was a hell of a lot better. The two subs he brought on with Bruno and Rashford definitely changed the game. I think Villarreal got a bit tired. Our lads came in with a bit of fresh, fresh legs, and we just we just nabbed them twice. But um, it was it was nothing new, was it? It was the same old same performance. Really, it was mm-hmm. ended on a couple of moments of brilliance from a couple of players together, and that was it. I think the, the main thing I'd say the Carrick got right was in the second half, even when we started to push on, we were still very organised defensively. Um, what you would say, even looking at Champions League last season, the night, that terrible night in Turkey, when we conceded that awful goal, it showed something that happened a lot under Solskjaer that we could go on attacks, but we get caught then. We get caught when yeah. we're on the attack. We weren't able to transition quick enough and defend a counter-attack. But last night, I think, it, it was also the fact that Villarreal never really looked like scoring. I think Carrick noticed that after 60 minutes, and then he decided to bring on the substitutions and, uh, and start going for it. And tactically, you have to take your hat off to him. But there's no one saying that they, they see nothing the other night that would start building excitement for, to see him take over for the rest no. of the season. And that's why they've gone with Ragnick, thankfully. Brian, if you were to compare your trip, what was the better city? They were kind of different in, in ways. Bergamo was definitely louder before the game. The fans were in more of a, in a one area together. But before the game was definitely louder and a better atmosphere. At the game itself, Villarreal was absolutely five out of five. The noise yeah. was deafening at times. Like the amount of people that have commented that would say, all we could hear was you lads on, on the telly. It was mm. brilliant. Um. Two similar trips, I suppose. I have more time to relax in Villarreal, so I'll give Real, Villarreal a four out of five. Dropping a point because Villarreal's a kip. Um, Bergamo, I'll give it a three out of five because I had to travel half of Europe to get there. And yeah, you, you, you probably learned more in Italy than you did in Spain, given you had to fucking travel throughout the majority of it. Um, due to a misplay. Yeah, right, Brian, thanks so much for joining me this morning. United play Chelsea on Sunday. Give me a quick prediction for that one. Um, apprehensive, flying over Sunday morning. Nerves are nerves already. I'd take probably 
this form we're in a take a draw at the moment to be honest with you just get it over and done with take a draw be a good result yeah I'll go one all yeah yeah, I think the draw would be a good result. I would definitely take that. You would look at what Chelsea are doing in Europe, even against the likes of Juventus. Um, they're a really strong side at the moment. So if we can get a draw away from home, Ragnick then come in for Arsenal, get the ball rolling and kickstart our season. Brian, thanks for joining me. Cheers, Dale. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.